How was your year in recovery? What do you aspire to in your recovery in the coming year? Welcome to episode 273 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Lori, Stephanie, Amelia, Penelope, and Carmen. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Lori, Stephanie, Amelia, Penelope, and Carmen for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with a seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though the recovery show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today, along with many of your voices. I'm going to open with a reading. This is from our daily reader, One Day at a Time in Al-Anon, December 31st. This is the day on which another year closes. It is a good time for a quiet, honest look at my personal progress. Has it been a good year? Better than those that went before? Has the day-by-day guidance of the Al-Anon program brought me to a greater realization and acceptance of myself, the unique individual I am? If I have regrets for errors or omission, I will dismiss them. The new year, which lies before me, has no time for futile regrets. I will live just one day at a time, making each one better than the last as I grow in confidence and faith. Reminder, again, I resolve to live the coming year one day at a time easing myself of the burdens of the past and the uncertainties of the future. Whatever may come, I will meet it with a serene mind. So I asked you, I asked you, how was your year in recovery, 2018? And what are you looking forward to in recovery in 2019? You answered in your unique ways. I am recording this on January 1st, 2019. Seems like an appropriate day to do that. First voicemail is from Julie, who is actually responding to last year's episode on aspirations for the new year. Hi, Spencer. My name is Julie. I live in California. I have been listening to your podcast about a year now. A program friend introduced me to it, and I love it. Thank you so much for your service. About a week ago, I listened to the episode, I believe it's from the end of 2017, um, about aspirations. I followed your suggestions. I had just broken off a three-year relationship, so I wrote down on paper some fears and resentments from this relationship and a couple of other things that I wanted to let go uh, from that year, and I burned it in my kitchen sink. And also, I took another piece of paper and wrote down my aspirations uh, for this coming year, 2019, the kind of person I want to be and what traits that I want to practice more of in life. It has been the burning of my uh, old things that I wanted to let go, That act of burning the paper, it just was uh, spiritual. And I have not thought about those things that nagged me for months. It is amazing. Thank you. I love 
the books. I've read a few books that you recommend or talk about in the episodes. I've read The Gifts of Imperfection. Love that book. It has become new Bible in my life, what I want to live by. I have read Life on Purpose. I came up with my own purpose in life. I um, talked to my 10-year-old son about it. He has come up with his own purpose in life. And our purpose, our life purposes are typed and it's clipped to our front door where we can look at it every day as we walk out in the morning. And I just finished reading Year of Yes. Love that book. I'm going to practice what uh, some of the author does. I want to say yes despite of my fear about things, fear of doing without, fear of new things, fear of future. Uh, I want to have more courage in my life. So thank you again. Your uh, podcast is a huge help to me between meetings or if I'm going through something that's emotionally hard and I can't get to a meeting right away. And I would love to participate in an episode with you. I'm catching up to the current episode now. I'm on episode 239, I believe. When I hear a topic that interests me, I will email you. I heard the topic of freedom as one of the possible future topics. I don't know if you've done it yet or not, but I love that word freedom and I get to have freedom because of Alana in my life. Whereas before I felt that I had no choice in a lot of things in in my life. Thank you again. You're an inspiration. And thank you, Julie, for sharing your aspirations even and your plans for the future and what you've done this year. Very, very thankful for that. Natalie writes, Hi, I'm talking about the topic of my year in recovery. It's funny that you picked that because on Thursday I lead a meeting with the same topic, so I have some stuff that I've been reflecting on. This month marks five years in the program for me. As I look back on my year, I'm surprised at how much growth has happened. To start with, in January, when my son was just nine months old, my husband and I found out I was pregnant again. We had not planned on having another child so quickly, so that was a big let go and let God moment. I was worried about having enough money and whether I was ready to do the baby thing again. Then, when I got a sonogram, there were some concerns about the baby's growth. Suddenly, all those other concerns weren't so important. All I wanted was for her to be healthy. There, I used let go and let God again. Thankfully, when she was born in September, she was just fine. But it took a couple of calls to my sponsor, a lot of prayer and meditation, to accept what was going to be and let God take charge. I've also used the slogan one day at a time a lot this year. When I've had worries or problems, I have to remember to take one day, sometimes even one minute, at a time. Also, when my little daughter was born, she was much more challenging than my son, and the first couple of months were really hard. I had to use one day at a time every day. I've also used how important is it, and easy does it, at work and at home. Letting some things go and not trying to be perfect has been really important, especially being a parent of two children under two years old and having a full-time job. I've also tried to apply step 10 in my relationship with my husband, for example. I've been more able to recognize my faults and not focus on what he did wrong. Instead, I've been more able to focus on what I can change and what I can fix. I'm not perfect, 
but I feel I've improved in these areas. Most importantly, I've leaned on God a lot this year and relied on his guidance to get me through small and big decisions. One big decision that I felt was made for me was the decision to move our family to a new house 30 minutes away. I struggled a lot with that decision before realizing that the decision had already been made. My higher power had led me to consider moving in the first place, and I felt that his guidance was leading me in that direction. A sense of peace came with that realization, and although it's a big change, I trust God in where he's leading us. I am grateful to the Al-Anon program and to your podcast, without which I don't think I could have taken these changes as well as I have. Happy New Year. Thank you, Natalie. Lots of changes. Oh, my. Kathy sent us a voicemail. Hi, Spencer. My name is Kathy. I'm from Indianapolis, and I'm leaving a voicemail message for the 2019 show for our year in recovery of 2018. I have had a very hard and interesting year in 2018. I divorced my alcoholic husband of 30 years. During the first part of our separation, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, so I went through treatment for that. Came out okay, had surgery, radiation. Treatment was uneventful, which was good, but my year has been a lot of soul searching and having to learn to rely on other people and learn to rely on my program and my program friends. I was not much of one to ask anybody for help, the martyrdom syndrome. And I now know that this is not a program or a life that is meant to be lived or dealt with alone. And that the growth that I found in my Al-Anon groups has been phenomenal. I had to realize that all these years I had blamed my qualifier for all of my sadness and anger and rage. And upon our separation, I had to look within myself and realize that those things came from within me. All he did was just shine a spotlight on it, and it brought it to the surface. So I feel so much more at peace now that I've been working my program. I've really been working the steps. I've worked really hard. I've been sad, you know, and, and it's been it's been a sad, sad year for me, but light is on the other side of this dark tunnel, and I feel hopeful, and I feel so much more strength with my program. I want to thank you again for the recovery show. I love the show when I can't get to a meeting and I'm having a stressful day. I listen to the recovery show. I love when you have speakers uh, when you're not able to do a meeting. I love it whenever you have Eric on the show. I've listened to so many of your podcasts and I always look forward to a new podcast. I wish you a year full of happiness and health I wish you well with your parents. I know this is a very difficult time. I went through that with my parents as well, and it, for lack of a better word, really sucks. So know that you are in my thoughts and prayers and your family, and I wish you a very Merry Christmas and a beautiful 2019. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. Rianne Huen writes, Dear Spencer, I'm writing to let you know how much I appreciate the recovery show. 
I was not an alcoholic, but was relying too much on an end-of-day drink to unwind emotionally. Through not drinking, I came to recognize the emotion that made me want to drink, and so what I got in place of alcohol was the self-awareness and power to make a better choice for myself. That choice around understanding an emotion and knowing what to do about it instead of alcohol made a positive difference in my life. I wondered what else I could discover about myself that could help me with other things that were harder for me to give up, which is how I came across your show. I don't meet the criteria for AA or Al-Anon, and so your show helps me to learn from others and get guidance on practicing the 12 steps and key ideas used in the program in my life without a face-to-face group or a sponsor. This year has been a really good year because I've felt more empowered. I've learned a lot from listening to your program, and this has really helped me to experience deeper spiritual connection and understanding than I had before. The biggest change for me was being able to understand step one unmanageability and powerlessness in my own way without there needing to be a crisis or rock bottom. The highest point in recovery was when I was having a bad day. It was close to the end of this working year and I wanted to give up. I looked at a sheet of 12-step mottos and don't quit before the miracle happens leapt out at me from the page. I put on the recovery show and it was the episode about miracles. It was very helpful for teaching me to keep an open mind and heart toward signs that can guide and encourage me forwards. In 2019, I will stay on this journey and see where it takes me. Thank you, Spencer, and I wish you, your family, and all other listeners to the program a happy new year. Rianwen. Thank you for that, Rianwen. And I and other people in the rooms have said, you know, this is a great program for life. It's too bad it takes having an alcoholic in your life to get you here. You just illustrated that, no, it doesn't take having an alcoholic in your life to get you to the point where you want to try something different and you're willing to put in the time and the effort. So thanks for, thanks for illustrating that for us. Tara sent us a voicemail. Hi, Spencer and Recovery Show family of guests and listeners. This is Tara from Minnesota, and I'm responding to your New Year's episode topic of what my recovery journey has been like this year and where it is going in 2019. Although not as volatile as previous years, this year has been very turbulent. Thanks to Al-Anon, I am handling life better, loved one, my spouse, amidst his active alcoholism. But my own mental illnesses have been kicking my ass. It has been slow and difficult, but the program has taught me to ask for help and to not give up. So that's just what I'm doing. One step, one day, one month at a time. I've learned that I do have anxiety and that it's not simply a situational based anxiety on the binge drinking, but an actual major anxiety disorder. I eventually tried out a psychiatrist who is phenomenal. And in the progress of trying to treat my anxiety, the medicine addressed my depression. I had no idea just how severe my depression was until that fog was lifted and I could see the depth of my hopelessness and despair I was drowning in. It's a challenging task to find the right med combinations and dosages, but just this week, I think we've made a second major breakthrough, and I've been asking myself, so is this how normal people feel? So even amidst my turbulent mental health issues, I'm braving the unknown, doing things I've never done. I hosted my first gathering, a simple potluck with my Al-Anon family. Instead of being a zombie at work, enmeshed in my loved one's disease, I'm playing a big role to foster a more fun environment at my job. I'm submitting a voice memo to the recovery show tonight, a very scary thing for me. Yay! I'm taking small chances of all kinds, and the unknown 
and the fear of failure and embarrassment have less power over me. Another form of recovery this year, as a tool for my anxiety and my motor tic disorder, I made yet another attempt to get back into my beloved hobby of crocheting and knitting, a hobby that dropped off during these long years of active alcoholism and deep enmeshment in my loved one's disease. And this time, I've had a great success. With my husband's help, I identified and addressed the roadblocks I've created, and now I'm engaged in my beloved hobby again. Also on my recovery journey is how I talk to myself. Al-Anon speaks to the ideas of being gentle with myself to not be judgmental and shaming of myself. I've heard those lessons, and this year I'm making great strides in putting these ideas into practice. I am practicing the art of meeting myself where I am and being good with it. And as weird and foreign as it used to sound to me when I read it in our Al-Anon daily meditation books, I'm beginning to like myself. And how amazing is that? And amidst all the struggle and backstepping and progress I've made with my mental health and with my tools and working through some turbulent events with my loved one, I've also been working the steps. Now, I've been in the program for over four years, but it took me two and a half years before I was ready to start working the steps. And once I started, I was totally hooked. But I'm also taking a long journey with it. In one and a half years, I'm not yet finished working step two. But life is chaotic, and I'm at peace with that. Well, I don't like the chaos, but I'm at peace of where I am at with the steps. And I love step two. Step two is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. I've learned so much doing this step. The Al-Anon program is my higher power. And in step two, I look at a power greater than myself as anything that is more than me, anything that is outside of me. A power greater than me includes my higher power, my psychiatrist and other health providers, my sponsor, my Al-Anon family. It's also the Al-Anon literature and the recovery show and all the other things that help identify and restore my sanity. And lastly, there are the three Ps. I learned about the three Ps from Spencer on the recovery show. The three Ps are perfection, procrastination, and paralysis. And I am a lifelong master of the three Ps. The three Ps episode is number 219. And episode number 29, called Progress Not Perfection, is a fantastic discussion covering some of the same issues of the three Ps and the great tools in dealing with it. This year has been an enormous challenge at work because some tasks that I've been absolutely paralyzed by and running away from for a very long time are finally forcing my attention. It's not been easy, but I am stronger because of my program, and I'm not throwing up my arms in despair, and I'm not running away. I'm dealing with my responsibilities head-on with honesty and transparency. I even found humility and asked for help. It's not easy to walk up to a coworker and say, I can't move forward on this task. Do you have any tools you can share to help me overcome my three Ps and my roadblocks? It's enormously embarrassing because I should be able to do just do this task. And I feel like anyone would say, well, just do it already. What's wrong with you? Oh, but there's that word should. And there's that fear of judgment. But my coworker did not show judgment. She instead shared the tools she uses to manage tasks that are similarly complex. And I even asked, and she easily agreed, 
to weekly check-ins to discuss how the task was going. And the funny thing, months later, she even asked if she could have a copy of my Excel spreadsheet where I tracked my project. Even though my tracker was based on her own process, she liked my approach and wanted to try it out herself. Wow, looking back, there was so much that happened this year, and it's been hell. But it's fascinating to really sit down and realize just how much recovery I've had this year. As for the next year, it's very simple. In 2019, I aspire to continue my journey of self-care. And to do this, I will meet myself where I am in that moment. And I'll ask the question, what is the healthiest thing I can do right now? Now, as simple and concise as that statement is, there's a lot of recovery in it, and I have the recovery show to thank. So let me break it down a bit. First, I am putting to enormous use the things I learned in episode 231 called Begin in Stillness. This is one of my absolute favorite episodes. I chose a single aspiration for 2019. And let me tell you, asking me to pick one single item to work towards I never thought I was capable of ever choosing just one thing. (laughs) Second, by saying I will continue my journey of self-care, I'm owning the progress I've already made. I'm also learning from episode 231 and not putting judgment or deadlines, not being controlling and punitive, and not creating an impossible situation that does not allow me a troubling day or chaos at home or being sick or receiving exciting news. Or, you know, doesn't allow me to be human. Third, by asking what is the healthiest thing I can do right now, I'm using the tool that my sponsor and I learned in episode 78 called Stay or Go, where Julia says her sponsor regularly asks, what is the healthiest choice for you? Like many others, I really struggle with making choices when my loved one is actively drinking, where it feels like there are no right choices. I feel I'm on cliffs of despair. The winds are strong and and I'm sitting there stuck between a rock and a hard place. Whatever I do is the wrong answer. Identifying the right choice feels insurmountable. But identifying the healthiest choice? That is strangely easier, even possible. I don't always make that healthiest choice, but I find that just the process of identifying it helps to clear some of the distorted thoughts and feeling. And I can ask this question anytime I have a choice or think I might have a choice, whether it's big, small, or in between. Fourth, I will also continue the tools I've been practicing this year of being gentle with myself and progress, not perfection, and not judging or shaming myself. And finally, I will put together a list, like a cheat sheet, if you will, so I can refer to it when I am not able to think clearly. Ideas like walk away from my desk, work desk, and take a 10-minute break. Continue with meditation and crocheting, and of course, reading. To make progress with exercise, nutrition, sleep, and mental health. To continue progress on the 12 steps. And the list will be in-depth, but useful to me. So what does recovery look like for me in 2019? I aspire to continue my journey of self-care. And to do this, I will meet myself where I am in that moment. And I'll ask the question, what is the healthiest thing I can do right now? I wish you, Spencer, and everyone listening, a beautiful journey in this new year. Bye now. Wow. Thank you, Tara. 
so much, so much in there. And I would just say to everybody listening and to me, sit, rewind it about four minutes to where Tara starts talking about her aspirations in 2019, how she's going to work her program, because that, that was just so, so beautiful and, and so inspiring. Thank you. Tara mentioned a bunch of episodes. I will be putting links to those episodes in the show notes at therecovery.show slash 273 in case you want to go listen to them. I love the way you, you're using the back catalog of The Recovery Show as a, as a reference. You know, that's why they're there, but it's pretty amazing to actually see it happen or hear it happen. Thanks again. Mary Jo wrote in an email I received this morning, Hi, Spencer. I'm a fan of The Recovery Show, and it's a wonderful part of my recovery program. I live with an actively alcoholic husband. It's New Year's Eve, and we are not spending it together due to hurt feelings, guilt, and shame over an especially egregious alcohol-fueled episode three nights ago. It's not ideal, but I am dealing with it because of the acceptance and humility I've acquired from the program, and mostly the love of my higher power. Over the past year, I have made my home group meeting a priority because I could see and feel the recovery in the hope and progress I witnessed in myself and others. I have two years in Al-Anon. I have a wonderful sponsor, and I have the love and support of old-timers and newcomers. This meeting has a long history, and I'm very grateful that it has remained a place of healing and of study and application of steps, traditions, and concepts. In the new year, I plan to continue attending meetings, continue step study. I recently started Blueprint for Progress Step 4 Inventory. And starting January 1st, I will be the librarian for my meeting. I'm dependable in arriving early to help set up the room and stay to return it to good order, and I am happy for the opportunity to increase my service with this new responsibility. This meeting offers a nice selection of conference-approved literature, books for sale at cost, a lending library of books and CDs, and a plethora of pamphlets. For many reasons, not the least being love, and not the greatest being I'm not a spring chicken, I am committed to staying married. Because of Al-Anon, I'm able to enjoy the many good qualities and the love of my handsome and sweet hubby who suffers from the terrible condition of alcoholism, as did both his parents and my father. Life is much better for both of us since I have received the gift of Al-Anon. Thank you for all you do. Happy New Year. With respect and gratitude, Mary Jo. Thank you for writing, Mary Jo, and thank you for getting it in and under the deadline. How about that, huh? What do I see looking back over the year 2018 in my recovery? You know, I've been talking about it all along, but just as with my experience with step four and step five, in step four, I go through a a lengthy process of inventory. Every time I've done step four, it's taken a minimum of six months to get through the questions, either in the book Paths to Recovery or in the Blueprint for Progress. I think that was closer to a year getting through the Blueprint for me. And so coming to step five means for me going back over what I found in step four and making a list, you know, summarizing as it were. It's a useful activity because it it lets me see patterns that I might not see in the drawn out process of, of doing the inventory itself. And similarly with 2018, when I look back over 2018, what are the themes that I see in my life and my recovery? One of the feelings that I had thinking about this was that in 2018, I was sort of coasting, if you will, in my recovery. I felt like I wasn't putting out significant effort towards working, really working my recovery. And then I thought, well, wait, I 
joined an AWOL group near the end of 2017 and have been consistently working through the steps with that group in 2018, digging deep, finding maybe new insights into my understanding of steps one through four, which is, and five, which is, is what we did in 2018. Well, step one, I think we started that in 2017. Anyway, and so is that, is that coasting? Is that not working? You know, it's, I think it's that to a large extent, my recovery activities were a routine in 2018. You know, I went to two meetings. I went to my AWOL group every other week. I recorded podcasts. In contrast to some years past, and I think 2013, which was the year we really started the podcast and was started at the end of 2012. But 2013, was like really digging into the pie. I felt in 2013, I felt like, wow, I am really working this recovery thing. I'm really engaged in it. 2018 didn't feel like that. But, you know, that's the difference between sort of beginning and continuing to some extent, I think. You know, the excitement of doing a new thing and then continuing to do that it has a different feeling. I think one of the reasons that I spent less time on recovery in 2018 was the impact of this big project at work on my life as a whole, that it, it took a lot of my mental and emotional and physical energy that I didn't have so much to devote to other activities in my life. And that's going to continue for another at least four months. So I'm aware of that and I'll be working to uh, not let it take over as much maybe in 2019. That's looking forward, right? 2018 had sort of highs and lows in my personal health. Uh, in May, I did a 5K run the first time in my life I have ever run that far. And I did it with a what I felt was, for me, a really good time at the age of 62 to be able to run 5K in, what was it, 32, 33 minutes, something like that. I felt really good about that. But also, earlier in the year, I got a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes because my blood sugar was above the limit that says, hey, now you're, you're in diabetes. And, and that inspired me to make some changes, not, not the least of which was continuing the running and, and working a little bit on my diet, not eating so many sweets and so on. And that helped. The blood sugar is under control. I still have the diagnosis in my chart. Of course, I guess that's going to follow me forever. I don't know. But my blood sugar is back down into a, a better level. I had surgery in June, which to address a problem that I had been dealing with for 25 to 30 years and was progressively getting worse. I finally decided to have that surgery and that addressed the problem very well. But it really set me back in my ability to do things like run as I was recovering from the surgery. And in consequence, I have not gotten back to the level of exercise that I was at before the surgery. And I think that, again, that's a combination of factors of getting out of the habit, but also, as I said earlier, the impact of, of work on everything in my life. On the positive side for recovery, working with my AWOL, A Way of Living group, studying the steps, working through the steps together has been really positive it has forced me, encouraged me to to dig back into my understanding of the steps as I understand them now, as opposed to, you know, how I understood them five, no, eight years ago, something like that. Last time I started, last time I did that, or when I first came to the program, which I also worked the steps with a, with a group 
when I first came to the program. And that's been, that's been good because it is always helpful for me and my understanding of my recovery. I get new insights from listening to how other people answer the same questions, how other people see the recovery program that, that Al-Anon offers. So that's been really positive, and that is continuing into 2019. The other big thing that happened in 2018 was a new application of step one for me, that I am powerless over dementia. I am powerless over my parents' health, my parents' mental health, my parents' physical health. There's been a big journey, which you've gone with me on, and and one of my earlier callers mentioned that, and thank you for that, of acceptance of doing the, the next right thing, first things first, and really working on living this situation one day at a time, not projecting where it might go because it might not go there, and projecting that awfulizing, catastrophizing takes away from my ability to be present and enjoy what is happening now. So that was 2018. It was a, a really up and down year for me. A lot of, I think, stressors in there. And I'm grateful for the program, for giving me the tools for you know, living with stress, for de-stressing, prayer and meditation, gratitude list, all that stuff. Acceptance of, you know, it is what it is. So what, what am I looking forward to in 2019? Well, as I said I'm trying to remember, at the, at the end of my first year in Al-Anon, there was a meeting, it was either on the 31st or the 1st, I'm pretty sure. It was either December 31st or January 1st, and I said, you know, I'm only making one resolution this year, which is to keep on working this program. And that is my resolution for all the years since, keep on working this program, because everything else comes from that. Everything else that is that is good in my life comes from working the, the principles, applying the principles of this program in all my affairs. But in specific, I'm recommitting to physical health and to exercise. Because as I said, I, I managed to let that slack after my surgery when I couldn't really exercise and I never got back in the habit. And And I can see the effect of that. And so I'm recommitting to going to the gym at least three days a week. I've been managing one day a week, so that'll be, that'll be a change. Either the gym or other exercise. So walking to work for an hour. Well, it's an hour if I, if I walk both ways. You know, that, that counts. That is exercise, and it works my muscles. It works my cardiovascular system. Or going to the gym, working on the elliptical or the treadmill or the weight machines. So at least three times a week for that. Definitely continuing with the AWOL group. Uh, We're on step six and looking forward to the rest of the steps. Might get them done by the end of the year. That is a continuing commitment to recovery, working with that group. And one of the things that, that I noted in 2018 was that Sometimes it was difficult for me to get a podcast episode out. I feel like that I have a commitment to try to get an episode out every week and and 
there were some weeks that didn't happen for obvious reasons, like, hey, I had surgery. And there were other weeks that didn't happen because, hey, I am just exhausted. And so I think I'm going to reach out for some planning help. Because that's where that's where the, the energy sometimes is lacking, is in planning an episode, in choosing a topic, in finding a co-host, in working up an outline, a set of discussion questions for the topic. You know, once I get into it, once I start doing it, I'm good. It's that that getting started part that is tricky for me, that takes energy that sometimes I just don't have. So I'm reaching out, I guess, for some help. You know, I love it when you write with topic suggestions. They're always good. The next step there is, how would you break that topic down? You know, what questions would you ask? Because that's how we guide our conversation here. So we ask questions and then we answer them. And if I have a co-host or, or more than one co-host, we get multiple views on the answers to those questions as we investigate the, the particular topic. And, you know, we could go through the same set of questions for the same topic with, with different people at a different time and get different answers. I'm sure get a different discussion. I'm always open to topic suggestions, but if you want to go a step further and just go look at the notes for our topic discussion episodes. And that's what I do. I write up an outline like that with questions that we sort of follow. We use them to guide our conversation. If you feel that you could do that for me, that would be so helpful in in helping to plan. And if you want to write up an outline and then participate, that would be even more helpful. So reaching out, because I think I need some help with this. I think when I, when I try to do it all on my own, sometimes I don't get there. Yeah. So 2019, more recovery, more taking care of myself in many ways. I want to close this section of the podcast with a reading also from One Day at a Time in Al-Anon. This is January 1st. This year is a book of clean blank pages on which I will write a record of my experiences and my growth through the daily use of the Al-Anon ideas. I turned to Al-Anon as a last resort because I was living with a problem that was too much for me. I know I can deal with this problem through applying Al-Anon to myself, to my thoughts, and my actions every day. If I allow myself to be influenced by what the alcoholic says and does, it will make blots and smears on the pages of my year. This I will try to avoid at all costs. The reminder, I can live my life only one day at a time. Perhaps my confusion and despair are so great that I will have to take it one hour at a time or one minute at a time, reminding myself constantly that I have authority over no life but my own. And to quote, realizing that nothing can hurt me while I lean upon my higher power, I ask to be guided through the hours and minutes of each day. Let me remind myself to bring every problem to him, for I know he will show me the way I must go. For this episode, I, I picked some songs that were meaningful to me this year, and I think some of them were new this year, some of them are not. The first one is by the artist Milk, and that's M-I-L-C-K. The song is Black Sheep, and this is a song for me about loving yourself, and maybe sometimes it takes somebody else expressing that love for me to see the good in myself. Some lyrics here. Look up, you're not alone. 
you'll make a home of your own. Don't let anyone turn your unique into flaws. Yeah, you know that I love you the way that you are. I hear that as a message from my higher power. And this this phrase, don't let anyone turn your unique into flaws. You know, I am who I am, and I am unique in many ways. And I can see those differences, that uniqueness as flaws, but they're not. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. And, you know, I talked about the year, but what about the week? Last week, uh, I talked about having celebrated Christmas. And because of a number of factors, including surgery and going to visit my brother in California and going to visit my parents and going to see my mother when she had broken her leg, I had very little vacation left at the end of the year. So I took off only the day before Christmas and the day before New Year's. And so I was back to work. And, you know, it's kind of nice being there when a lot of people are not there. It's very quiet. I was able to get a lot of work done. But also, there are parts of my work that require interaction with other people who weren't there. And so that was kind of difficult. And it's like, oh, I want to, I really want to do this thing, but I can't do it because the people that I need to interact with in order to do it aren't here this week or aren't here today. I have to put that down and I have to pick up something else that I can do because it doesn't require those people. It's an attitude thing. It's a realism thing. And I'm, I'm trying to think of the slogans it goes with like, first things first, how important is it? Just seeing reality, accepting reality. Like I want to do this, but I can't do it because the people I need to do it with aren't here. It was an interesting experience. I often take off the week between Christmas and New Year's because it's a quiet time at work. And usually I need to burn up vacation or I'll lose it, which speaks to maybe a lack of planning earlier in the year. I don't know. Whatever. Meetings this this week. My Saturday meeting, it was the fifth Saturday of the month, which happens a few times a year. And so on the fifth Saturday, we have an optional table that is working our way through the concepts of service in the Al-Anon program. We weren't exactly sure which one we were on, but from looking at the calendar, it appeared that we were on concept seven. It says the trustees have legal rights, while the rights of the conference are traditional. I like, what? <laughs> we did an episode on concept seven. Um, you can go back and find it. I'll put a link. Akila and I talked about Concept 7 in Episode 120, Authority and Responsibility. Concept 7 is about the balance of authority and responsibility, about responsibilities and roles. I had to go to the book Reaching for Personal Freedom to really find some understanding of that concept because legal and traditional authority just like doesn't do it for me. It just doesn't. A lot of the examples in that book, Reaching for Personal Freedom, which is a workbook on the steps, traditions, and concepts, talked about the relationship between parents and children. Where, in this sense, and and there's actually an example in the book, uh, Paths to Recovery, where the mom realizes she is the board of trustees and she has the legal responsibility for her child who has her own role and responsibilities, but that 
in this case, I think her daughter wants to move out and she's still underage. And, and, and because they had actually studied the concepts earlier, she was able to go to her daughter and say, look, I'm the board of trustees here and this is my legal responsibility and authority. Because of that, I essentially have veto power over you moving out. And the daughter was like, oh, okay. <laughs> the Reaching for Personal Freedom book has examples where um, people were able to sort of look at their their particular role and responsibility and realize what was theirs and what wasn't. There was one about where a mom kept her minor child in the house while he was a minor, but when he became old enough to live on his own legally and was still not willing to follow the the rules of the house, she said, okay, you have to leave. She said, and then the community asserted their roles and responsibilities, and he spent some time in jail. You know, that's tough as a parent to think that that's going to happen, but it is a thing. And And I reflected on my experience where my adult child got into some trouble, ended up committed to a psych ward, and that my role in supporting them was not to fix their problems, but to provide the things they couldn't provide for themselves while they fixed their problems, which was basically a place to sleep, food to eat, and transportation, because those were things that they didn't have. And they had to deal with all the consequences of their actions. And they did. At the end of the week that I was there, 2,000 miles from home where my child was going to college, they gave me a big hug and said, thank you for coming. I don't know what I would have done without you. And they did the hard work, you know? They did the hard work. I, my hard work was staying out of the way, not trying to insert myself into the process. What I was able to do, what was my responsibility to do, enabled them to do what was their responsibility to do. And so I saw that as an, as an application in my life of Concept 7. It was some years ago. So starting with this very dry concept about legal and traditional authorities and the board of trustees in the conference, I was able to bring out, you know, some personal ways in which that, that, that worked in my life and continues to work, really. Those concepts are, are amazing for dealing with sort of structured interactions with people in groups, whether it's at work or at church or in Al-Anon, because as somebody else reflected, I'm really glad we have these things. I don't really understand them, but I'm glad we have them because they mean Al-Anon keeps on going. Yeah, no kidding. That is that is great. Okay, I got some plans for upcoming podcasts, but I don't know exactly what. One of the things that, that I am trying to do is to bring in Al-Anon members who are willing to share their story in a podcast episode. If you're interested in sharing your story, please contact me. Feedback at therecovery.show is probably the best way to do that. If you want to share some experience, strength, and hope related to how was last year in recovery and what are you looking forward to this year, you can still do that. You can call and leave a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can use the voicemail button on the website. You can record it on your smartphone and email it, as uh, several of the callers today did. Or you can send email to feedback at the recovery.show, and I will just read it in my own voice. 
But I really prefer your voice if if you can. And the website is therecovery.show, which has all the information about the show, notes for each episode. There will be links to the things that people talked about, links to the music that I chose for the episode. Also, a contact page where you can get the phone number, the voicemail button, the email address, etc. So you don't really have to remember that. Just go to therecovery.show slash contact or tap click on the contact link in the menu at the top of each page. The next song that I picked, I really picked an album by Julian Baker. The album is Turn Out the Lights. There are a lot of songs on there that speak to addiction and recovery. The song that I want to talk about is also titled Turn Out the Lights. It's about the way in which we get used to imperfections in our life, but also kick ourselves about them. So it speaks to that slightly dark place within me where I'm feeling less than and helps because I realize I'm not the only person who's there, you know? Some lyrics here. There's a hole in the drywall still not fixed. I just haven't gotten around to it. And besides, I'm starting to get used to the gap. So you wish you could find some way to help. Don't be so hard on myself. So why is it easy for everyone else? I'm not always like this. There's always tomorrow, I guess. A little bit dark, but been there. And some of you wrote or called about stuff that, you know, wasn't about, hey, 2018 and 2019. I somehow missed this email from Connie that came in last month. Hi, Spencer. Thank you for your service. Your podcasts are so very helpful. I searched for the topic of gossip and nothing came up. I am wondering if you would consider adding this topic to your list of podcasts. It is often mentioned as the second obstacle to success in Al-Anon. I'm not so much talking about gossip about Al-Anon proceedings and meetings because I think this is pretty clear. More about the instances when groups of friends may engage in gossip about someone that is not present. Although I try to avoid these situations and not engage, there are times I slip and then feel terrible the day after. Thanks. She includes an excerpt from The Three Obstacles to Success in Al-Anon, which I think is in a pamphlet that I haven't quite figured out which one. Al-Anon discussions should be constructive, helpful, loving, and understanding. In striving toward these ideals, we avoid topics which can lead to dissension and can distract us from our goals. Sort of the introduction there. And then... Number two, gossip. We meet to help ourselves and others learn and use the Al-Anon philosophy. In such group therapy, gossip can have no part in our program. We do not discuss members or others, and particularly not the alcoholic. Our dedication to anonymity gives people confidence in Al-Anon. Careless repeating of matters heard at Al-Anon meetings can defeat the very purpose for which we are joined together. So thanks for that reminder, Connie, and I don't think it's something we've talked about. So it would be a good topic. And I will put a link to at least one version of this writing about obstacles to success. I found it on a website for an online meeting named A Serenity Place. So also, if you're looking for a meeting that you can get to 24 hours a day from your computer, that's there. That's, there it's, an, it's an email meeting, and apparently, I haven't tried it, but apparently there's a topic for each day, and then people exchange emails on that topic. I don't know exactly how it works, but um, there will be a link if you want to go check it out. 
Pam shared some experience, strength, and hope with us. Thank you, Spencer, for the gift of the recovery show. I found your podcast while while looking up Al-Anon on the web during a desperate time. I finally realized my powerlessness to the effects of alcoholism. My qualifier is my 23-year-old son who spent time in an inpatient facility six years ago and an outpatient program six months ago. One year ago, we asked him to move out of our home because of his alcohol use. When he was away for inpatient treatment six years ago, I began searching for an Al-Anon meeting. I did not continue attending or search for a home group. In the past three weeks, my son was in a dark place and reached to us and the other program for help to maintain his sobriety. I finally hit my step one and realized my need for help to recover. I've listened to the Recovery Show podcast constantly. The topics are exactly what I need to hear and have brought hope and support. Even hearing the music at the beginning and end of the show has brought peace, realizing I am not alone and there is help out there for my recovery. Tonight, I am beginning my search for a meeting to attend. I am not fearful, but hopeful. A couple of topic suggestions. Can someone speak about anger and sobriety? My son is newly sober, and his anger is stronger than ever. And my son was adopted as an infant and struggles with attachment disorder. Healthy detachment has been challenging. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You may sometimes feel that you are only speaking to the microphone, but many of us out here are listening. Your show is helping us to find hope, encouragement, and strength. Happy New Year, Pam. Well, I'm glad that you are are looking for a meeting. I I strongly encourage you to to do that. (laughs) That is where my recovery really took off, is when I had other people with whom I could relate, who could share their own experience, strength, and hope with me directly, face-to-face. There's nothing like face-to-face as far as I'm concerned. Anger and sobriety, that is, you know, that's a great topic. I have friends who have experienced that from both directions. And I I spoke to one last night. I said, you know, somebody asked about a a discussion about anger and sobriety. And and I thought you might be able to, you know, share some of your own experience, strength, and hope with me. And, And he was like, yeah, I might be able to do that. It is a totally a not uncommon experience just in the the friends that I have who who've been through it who maybe are still going through it detachment we have talked about detachment a number of times we have a uh, a search page a search box on the website if you go to the recovery.show in the menu at the top of the page you can tap on search or click on search and then type in detachment and should pull up uh, some episodes that that might be helpful Julie left us another voicemail. Hi, Spencer. This is Julie from California. I just listened to episode 242, Don't React, and it resonated with me. This is my second time calling into the show, and I'm still nervous. But after reading Year of Yes, I'm making it a point in my life to try things that scare me. It would be so much easier to send you an email, but I am trying this. Anyway, a few thoughts occurred to me as I listened to that episode. First is Daphne, I believe, mentioned how do you know, how, how do I differentiate between God's will and my will? And what helps me a lot is my sponsor says, if it's God's will, then it's effortless. That happens to be true in my life. If I find myself overthinking an event, 
then it's probably my will. If I'm plotting or manipulating, managing, or if my thoughts start out as how can I make sure dot, 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 how can I make this happen, then it's my will. Oftentimes when it's God's will, it just comes to me and it it's effortless. Uh, when I do it, it doesn't feel like I'm overreaching or trying. My sponsor also says, I can think crazy, I can feel crazy, but I don't have to act crazy. So when I get triggered by something, and by the way, before program, almost everything in my life was a crisis. Something simple as where to go for dinner or what gas station to go to because I needed to get the cheapest gas um, could be a crisis. And now I, because of program, a lot of things, those that used to be crises are not. I can use uh, slogans such as easy does it and how important is it. And even if I start to have my ism, crazy thoughts and feelings, and I have an internal reaction, then I know that I don't have to translate that into an action. And I used to beat myself up for having, still having these internal reactions going into crisis mode inside me when something triggers me or something happens in my life, I would tell myself, Julie, you've had program some program under your belt now. Why are you still reacting this way? But what I've come to realize is why wouldn't I react this way? I've lived my life the same way, reacting instead of responding to things for a few decades. So What's important is not so much that I have this reaction internally, but what I do with it, which I can use program. I can call my sponsor. I can go to a meeting. I can journal. I can read literature. And another thing that helps me in my life with not reacting, so not acting crazy, not translating those crazy thoughts and feelings into my action is I have this uh, 24-hour rule. A friend taught me this. If someone violates my boundary or I have something that happened to me that I have this uh, react, I go into this reaction mode. Say I get an email from a a coworker at work or I get a text from my ex-husband whom uh, I share custody of our 10-year-old son with that triggers me and I start having this reaction. I go down that road of what ifs and I, 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 I go... I, I'm in my fantasy world, making up all kinds of doomsday outcomes. Then I, or I get angry or resentful. I give myself 24 hours to respond. Whatever I may be feeling, those strong feelings and urges, I don't, I don't reply. And I tell myself, I'm going to wait 24 hours by this time tomorrow. I, I won't respond. And if I'm stealing, I'm still feeling this way, I can respond accordingly, but I'm not going to respond right now. And then I use my program. And guess what? 100% of the time, that is 24 hours later, I don't feel or think the same way that I did when I initially got that email or text. So that helps me hugely. Thank you. Thank you, Julie, for that experience, strength, and hope. A listener shares a bit of her recovery experience. Hey, 
Listening to your podcast, thanks so much for sharing your reflections. My husband has been to rehab and through intensive outpatient care for the past half year. I had to live alone with his parents while he was gone, and now we have to live nearby them. When he first got out of rehab, we had all discussed boundaries and behaviors that were not okay for him to continue, and we all avoided alcohol altogether. His father is also a recovering alcoholic, so for him it was nothing new. Now he is still sober, as far as I know, and going to meetings, but his mother has started to drink more in front of them again. She'll offer me a glass of wine and end up finishing an entire bottle of wine, regardless of how much I drink. Same as my husband used to do when he was still drinking, so I suppose it's kind of a trigger for me. And twice in the last two weeks, my husband has said he'll want to eat some things with alcohol in it, things like beer, cheese, or whiskey-glazed meat, instead insisting on it being fine. His parents are showering him with money and gifts again, which I feel enables him to continue spending money without plans, without getting a job, which could mean that he'd go back to drinking again without anyone noticing. I have been to Al-Anon meetings with his mother before, but I felt I needed to be able to do things alone. I feel some ongoing resentment toward his parents as well as him now because his parents asked me if we could move closer when it was a necessity for me to be able to see him at all. And now I feel stuck here as they enable him to live comfortably. Meanwhile, he is also acting violently towards inanimate objects when he gets upset about some things I say, same as when he used to be drunk. He would, for instance, speed up the car and then tell me how I nearly got us in an accident. In the mornings, he may wake up after snoozing his alarms and fly out of bed at some point, cursing at everything. That's how I get to start my day then. I told him the other day that I feel stressed and anxious when I see him do that each and every day. I try to use I statements and not to blame him for what he does, and I know I can't control his recovery. But I just feel so stuck here and wish he'd find his own inner motivation to make sure of good habits and manners. I never knew he was an alcoholic before. I had my suspicions, but he denied it for years to a point where I got so numb and didn't even realize I had kept a lie for all those years from his parents, as he told me a whole other tale as to why he didn't drink. They tend to say, I've also learned, that things in general aren't a lie when you just avoid the topic, like how they told him not to lie at all and then asked me to pretend all was well with him when he was gone, tell some other story about me to people, basically deflect. I didn't lie or avoid the topic, that's not me. But lately... I've got physically ill and strangely enough literally numb in places in my body and turned out no doctor could explain it other than it being stress. Stress creating such physical defects on my body. Soon I'll go away to study and I am nervous that he would go back to drinking if I'm gone. I fear having to live alone with his parents again, which I'd never imagined I'd have to ever at the time we married, which was only this past year. He used to call me crazy for guessing he had issues before, and now he's starting to act like I'm crazy again, when I feel literally numb in my body and so on. I feel so confused. I guess I wanted to say something, and hope for some kind of encouragement of some kind. To top it all off, I've been at his parents' company and worked hard to earn even less money than he gets automatically in a paycheck from them. And for whatever reason, they keep giving him his own things without discussing it with me first. They recently gave him a brand new car. I seem ungrateful if I say anything, but I just thought it strange that he didn't discuss it with me beforehand. Well, thanks so much for listening. Sad and kind of lonely woman. That that sounds like a really difficult place to be. I would suggest I, you don't say if you're if you're going to meetings. I mean, my suggestion is to find find meetings, at least a meeting that works for you, and find a sponsor who can help to guide you in the day-to-day issues, Someone, at least someone who you can call when you have questions, when you have uncertainty, when you're just feeling down. 
feeling stressed, feeling confused, all those things that happen. If you can get away from the parents, <laughs> again, not giving advice, but that sounds like a really unhealthy and meshed relationship with the parents. And life might be easier if you didn't have to be around them. I don't know. Lynn sent really brief thanks. I love listening to your podcast. It fills me with strength and hope. Thank you for this wonderful show. Brooke has a question about sponsorship. Thank you so much for this podcast. I only found it a week or so ago, but I've been listening to an episode every morning, and I can really tell a difference in my serenity. I'm learning so much. This is my second time trying Al-Anon, and I know this time I will keep coming back. I think my biggest problem is that the first time I never found a sponsor. That was about five years ago, and I was only in the program a couple months. This time I've been going to meetings for three months, reading literature every day, started working through Pathways to Recovery, and now I'm listening to this podcast, but again, I've not found a sponsor. I asked one person, however, they said their own life was too busy at this time for that commitment. Do you have any guidance for finding a sponsor? Everyone talks about how important they are and what a difference their own has made, but they don't talk about how they got one. What should you take into consideration when asking someone to sponsor you? Is there anyone you should not ask? Male, female, does it make a difference, for example? And what questions am I not asking? Thank you for any advice you have on this matter, Brooke. Well, that's a big question. I mean, the first thing is keep asking, okay? Because those of us who are are healthy in the program will say, I'm sorry, I don't have time when we, when we don't have time. Because what I know is that if I spread myself too thin, I'm not able to give the support that I want to be able to give to, to the people that I've made commitments to. So don't let that refusal stop you. That's the first thing I would say. How do you, how do you pick a sponsor? I would pick somebody who, for, first and foremost, I pick somebody who has something I want. You know, my first sponsor, I picked a person who, when they spoke in the meeting, it felt like I connected with, with what, they were, what they were saying. I also picked somebody who was in a similar relationship with alcoholic, in other words, a spouse. The male-female thing, is a, that's a tough question. Some people can make it work with a member of the opposite sex as their sponsor. Some people can't. Then, of course, there are people who maybe are attracted to the same sex, and maybe they want somebody of the opposite sex as a, part, as a, as a sponsor so that they're not romantically attracted to them. That also is a factor. I, I think, in general, it's probably easier to start with a sponsor of the same sex. Having said that, as a man in the program, there aren't a lot of men in the program, and my first sponsor was a woman, and my subsequent sponsors have been men. I have sponsored women. When a woman asks me to sponsor them, I have to check myself and to some extent, maybe, you know, what their motivation is. And if it's not working out for whatever reason, then, then I, as the, you know, the person with more time in the program have to be able to say, I'm sorry, this isn't working. So I don't know. That's what I've got right now. You know, if you, if you're not sure, like, do I want this person to be my sponsor? You can start by saying, Hey, can I call you? And call a few times and see how that goes. Meet somebody for coffee. Can we go out for coffee without saying the sponsor word? I just, I want to talk about some program stuff. Can we go get a cup of coffee or whatever is your, you know, coffee, tea, water, just to have, have some time to, to talk and to see whether that, that person might work for you as a sponsor. And then you can bring up the sponsor question once you, once you know each other a little bit. 
I've done all those things. I've been asked to do all those things. And there's the temporary sponsor notion, if you're not sure that you want to make a commitment or if the other person is not ready for a long-term commitment. I don't know what meetings you go to. I don't know some of the meetings that I go to have a moment at the beginning of, of the meeting where they ask people who are willing to be a sponsor to raise their hands, or they have a phone list where people who are willing to be sponsors are indicated somehow on that phone list, and that's another resource that, that you might have at, at your meeting. So good luck, but uh, keep working on it. Got a review in iTunes by Claire and a Guitar, who writes, After spending Thanksgiving with my mother, who is in recovery, away from my husband, who is an alcoholic, I got to the end of her driveway and decided I wanted to find a podcast for my long drive. She has suggested Al-Anon for me many times because of my dad's substance abuse and the myriad of unresolved feelings I have since his passing four years ago. I sought this podcast because I wanted to learn a bit more. I played episode 159 first because I was curious about the 12 steps and why they were the same for the alcoholic. The speaker's stories resonated so deeply with me. She was talking to me about me. I know that your podcast saved my life. I looked up a meeting, and as God would have it, I found one two miles from my house that was happening the next day. After acknowledging steps one and two almost immediately, I listened to step three. It's the only thing that gave me any peace in this incredibly dark place I've been in for so long. Thank you for providing this resource. I've used it daily as a supplement to the immediate support I found at Al-Anon. They gave me the one day at a time book and told me to pay them back if or when I could. I'm praying every day for God to take my control from me, and I'm finally listening now with love. And thank you, Claire, and your guitar for that detailed review. I hope that you find recovery in this program like so many of us have. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Lori, Stephanie, Amelia, Penelope, and Carmen did. And thank you again for your support. Our last song selection is by John Prine. Obviously did not come out this year. It's a song, Hello, in there. And this, this one speaks to me because of, you know, the experience that I'm having with my parents this year as they're aging. The the song is about an old couple who's, they raised their kids, their kids have moved away, and they're feeling lonely. You know that old trees just grow stronger, and old rivers grow wilder every day. Old people just grow lonesome, waiting for someone to say, hello in there, hello. And you know, that's also true for those of us in relationship with an alcoholic that we can get really lonely waiting for somebody to say hello. And if nobody has said hello to you recently, hello in there, hello, and find yourself a meeting where you can get that hello face-to-face. Hello, we're glad you're here. Keep coming back. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them, too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you, one day at a time.